0: Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Who's ready for the Word of God? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And if you're really spiritual this morning, you can open up to 2 Samuel, chapter 15. Ecclesiastes 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, So yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to do than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. Listen to it. This is God's gift to man. I perceive whatever God does, and just underline what God does, because we'll come back to it, endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Lord, we just thank you for the power of your word this morning, Father. God, we just thank you that you're building the lives of people through your word. Lord, thank you that it was your word that was before anything else. Father, we just thank you that before it all was your word, was Jesus. And Father, you've given us um, a glimpse into who you are through your word. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the power of it. God, we just pray for all that you're doing in the life of our church. Lord, we pray for colonial kids right now that's going on. Father, thank you that you are even right now at this early stage in their lives, Lord. You're molding and you're shaping and you're helping them understand their purpose and helping them understand who Jesus is to them, Lord. Thank you for revelation even to children, Lord, that you're building their spirits. And we just thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled colonial church said together, amen. 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 I want to speak this morning about purpose. The purpose of God for your life. Not the purpose of God for a group of people. Not the purpose of God for only the spiritual or only the the ones that know the Bible the best. But the purpose of God for you. The purpose of God for your own life. Oh, how people have a longing for purpose. People have a longing on the inside of them for purpose. Ecclesiastes 3, in verse 11, it says, He has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's why you can be sure when you're talking to someone about their faith, or maybe a lack of faith, that something will resonate on the inside of them. Something is going to resonate on the inside of people. Why? Because people have a longing for purpose. People have a longing for what God has put on the inside of them. A good friend of mine once said that it's a God-shaped void, meaning that only God can fill that void. Everyone has a need for purpose. That's why in 2002, a guy called Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And the amazing thing about this book was that not only did he write just a great book, but he wrote it about purpose in the first five years from what I could read on the World Wide Web, which is obviously the most trusted source in the world. On the interweb. I read that in the first five years of that book being public being published, it sold 30 million copies. It topped the bestseller lists for longer than any other book. Over and it broke all kinds of records. Especially in the Christian world or you know, self-help world or whatever you want to call it. But this book just blew up because why? People want to know their purpose. People want to buy a book about purpose. People want to. Hear about their purpose, people want to know. I believe on the inside of every single person is a desire to know their purpose. Is a desire, is a longing, is a is a wanting to know what their purpose is. People want to know what their purpose in life is, what they were created to do, who they are and what they're supposed to do. I was preparing this message. And I thought about that ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous movie, and I just thought, I'm going to have fun in church, so I just want to play the clip, if that's okay. Let's put it up. a lot of things to ponder. Hey, the results are in, amigo. What's left to ponder? <sighs> oh, come on, we can have a bit of fun in church. It was just on my mind as I was preparing this message. I'm like, this is just the stupidest scene, most ridiculous movie, most ridiculous storyline. But in the midst of my thinking, I thought, it's actually a very relevant question, <laughs> even though it's Zoolander asking the question. People want to know their purpose. People want to know what they're doing here. What am I here for? What am I supposed to do with my life? I talked about young people before. What a great opportunity to us if we can put into young people when they're young their purpose. How How many mistakes won't they make because they understand that they have purpose? But the truth about purpose is this. We all need it. So the title of the message this morning is this. I need purpose. I need purpose, because if we don't have purpose, we self-destruct. If we have purpose, we get off track. Let me show you a scripture, Proverbs 29 and verse 18. It's a verse that talks about purpose. It says, where people have no vision, no purpose, they cast off restraint. Other translations say that the people run wild. They just cast off all restraint. Other translations say they perish. They lose it. They kind of just go wild. But look what it says in the Message Translation. It says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. When we lose sight of our purpose, we lose our meaning. When we don't have our purpose, we have no meaning. Meaning and purpose go so well together. They were meant to go well together. Purpose in life gives meaning to our lives. Is it okay if I preach about purpose this morning? And purpose for you. And I want to look at a passage of scripture. Go with me to first Samuel, chapter 16. I think I said 2 Samuel, but go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. This is the story of the prophet Samuel installing next the, the, the next king of Israel, David. And he pays Jesse, his dad, a visit. This is what it says. We'll pick it up in verse six. It says, When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Israel, Do not look on his uh, sorry, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinanab. And made him pass before Samuel, and he said, "Neither has the Lord chosen this one." Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, "Neither has the Lord chosen this one." And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. You can just sense that maybe Jesse is starting to get a little, <laughs> a little, little intense at this moment. He's all like, "Next one, next one, next one." None of them's hitting. No revelation coming. Jesse's probably freaking out. But we move, we go on. Then Samuel said to Jesse, "Are all your sons here?" And he said, there yet remains the youngest, but behold, he is keeping sheep. So he was doing something. He was in position in the field. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. And that word ruddy, just if anyone's wondering, just means red skin, red complexion, sunburnt. maybe, if you like. Some theologians think it's because he was outside a lot. And had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. It's a beautiful passage of scripture where the prophet of God installs David as the next king. But what he delivers in that moment is not a position, it's his purpose. He delivers David his purpose in life, that you will serve God, that this is part of your life to serve God. So I want to talk a little bit about purpose this morning. Is that okay? You with me? So point number one is this. There's a big difference between purpose and position. There's a big, big difference between purpose and position. Purpose itself is not found in our position Position is just something that comes with purpose. Samuel delivered the news to David, but it was well ahead of his position as king. He would be many, many things before he would be king. You just think about it for a moment. He was a shepherd boy, so he was working on the land. Maybe he did other things too. Probably had a bunch of different duties. I mean, he was the youngest, so he probably did all the things that his older brothers didn't want to do. <laughs> just do this and do that and you know got kicked around and probably had lots of different jobs but he had that position but he also he was a musician we learn about in scripture that he was actually a musician as well he was in service as a musician he was also in the military he was in the army as well so he did a lot lots of different things held lots of different positions but he always had the same purpose which was to serve God so there's a big difference between purpose and position and we've got to understand that our purpose comes from God, but our position might change. you with me? Our position could change, but our purpose never does. So Ecclesiastes, I read from the top, our text was was, uh, Solomon writing that, obviously from the house of David as well. But David had another son called Absalom. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, we learn some interesting things about Absalom, but it says this, uh, uh, just pull this specific thing out. Says after this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, "What city? From what city are you?" And when he said, "Your servant is of such and such a tribe of Israel," Absalom would say to him, "See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you." Then Absalom would say, oh, that I were judge in this land, that every man with a dispute or cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. Do you notice how in this text there's no mention of God at all? You notice in the text there's no mention of purpose, there's no mention of God having a strategic plan. It's all just me, me, me. This is what I should do. Verse 5, and whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take a hold of him and kiss him. And thus Absalom did to all Israel, who came to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Here's the point: Absalom had to manipulate to create his position. How much greater is it in our life when we don't have to manipulate to get our position because our purpose has come from God and our position is just part of that purpose. See, so here's the thing about manipulation: if you manipulated your way to get your position. This is the worst part. You have to manipulate to keep it. If you manipulate it, i.e. it wasn't from God, it didn't come from heaven, and you have to manipulate your way into getting it. And I just think in our New Testament scenario that we live in right now, we get the Holy Spirit, we get that sense of peace on the inside. Am I manipulating to get this? Or is this actually from God? But Absalom, absolutely, he had to manipulate to get his way. Never put position ahead of purpose because I believe, friends, it's out of order. It's out of order that way. If we put our purpose first, which is to serve God and put God first and to keep Jesus in the focus of our life, the position comes after that. And God will ensure the position comes. But Absalom installed himself. So your purpose is not found in your position. Something else I'd love for you to write down this morning if you take your notes is this. Position is temporary. Purpose is forever. Your position may be temporary, but your purpose is eternal. Your purpose, it lasts forever. Your purpose has no expiry date, but your position may well have. Your position may be vacated at some point, but your purpose never will be. Your position in life, friends, it may become redundant at some point. There might be someone who walks into your office one day and says, your position is redundant, but how great is it this morning, 2018, because we have God and because we have an understanding of His purpose. We can look that person in the eye and say, I still have my purpose. My purpose in life comes from God. It doesn't come from people. And I just love that when it comes to God's purpose for our lives, no man can take that away. God's purpose for you, it outlasts people. It's above people. You might have a boss who is a pain in the neck, but your purpose comes from God. Your position might come from this place or that place, but God is just using that at this season of your life. The other thing about purpose is this. Purpose is not found in our provision or even in our blessing. I wonder if you look at your provision as your purpose. See, the thing is, God is, our, God is the one who provides the provision. He's the one who brings it about. But it's all part of his purpose. Our purpose is greater than any job we get. Our purpose is greater than any promotion you might receive. Our purpose is greater than any paycheck or bonus or windfall. Again, any provision that comes into your life, we've got to be careful, friends, we don't make the provision our purpose and start looking at it like that's the thing we serve. No, we serve God. He gives us our purpose. And as part of that, all these other things happen. And it's wonderful. It's awesome. Did you know that God works on purpose? And I'm not trying for a moment to lower God down to a certain level. Please hear my heart. That's not what I'm saying at all. But God doesn't do anything on accident. He doesn't do anything on accident. He is actually on purpose himself. In Ecclesiastes 3, I'll just read it again. This is what Solomon says. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. So he's doing something. Nothing can be added to it nor taken away from it. God has done it. The the dictionary talks about purpose this way. It uses three words that I love. Deliberate, intentional, determined. That's the way God works. He works on purpose in your life. He uses intent in your life. He uses. He's deliberate about your life. He's determined to use you. He's determined to include you in his plan. He's determined to give you his purpose. Psalm 67 verse 4 says this, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. That's what we did this morning. We were glad and we sang. But look what it says, for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Friends, God doesn't do anything by accident. He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's doing with your life. Can I encourage you, friend? You might have had a parent at one time tell you that you were an accident. But can I just let you in on a little secret? You were not an accident to God. You came on exactly the right time for exactly the right purpose. You were meant to be here. God works on purpose. And that means that you are here on purpose. You were meant to be here. You were meant to sit in that chair today. Just think about that for a moment. You were meant to sit in that chair. God wanted you to be here. But God himself works on purpose. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, "'Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, "'nor of me, his prisoner, "'but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God, "'who saved us and called us to a holy calling.'" But look at this, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began. Don't buy into the lie and there's a stream of thinking out there today, just like there always has been, this stream of thinking that says that everything's random. Everything's random. And that you just happen to get into a lottery situation and just what happens, happens. And, you know, you know, God really doesn't know what he's doing. He's sitting way back there and occasionally puts his hand on the remote. No, God works on purpose. It's all according to his purpose and grace. Second point this morning. Come on, friends, this is good preaching this morning. Point number two, seasons of life change, but your purpose does not. Your season might change, but you're still on purpose. Your season of life might look different, but you're still on purpose. See, when you look at the Old Testament people of God, you had to almost separate this into two different things. There was national purpose, which was related to the country of Israel, which was related to the nation of Israel that God elected, that He decided on. See, the thing about Israel, another great quote that I love is that, you know, Israel didn't select God, God selected Israel. And so the nation of Israel was selected by God, so there was national selection, there was national purpose that was given to God. But there was also individual purpose. So we all, all have an individual purpose as well. So national purpose, in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it talks about that. But listen to the way the message translation says it. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up, Speaking of another nation. And not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. But he's speaking to the nation of Israel. He's not speaking to one person. He's speaking to all of God's people that I promised and I will bring you back home. Look at what it says. I know what I'm doing. I've planned it all out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you a, the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. What a beautiful promise. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. God's saying, put me first. When I know in your heart of hearts and this nation puts me first, then I'll respond. God's saying this, I won't be second best in your life. You may put me as second best. But I'm not second. God is first. So God delivers national purpose, but he also has individual purpose, specific. Luke 12, verse 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? This is Jesus speaking. Not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. You are of more value than many sparrows. In the last service, I said that you are not more valuable in sparrows. <laughs> I got it right this time. <laughs> Thankfully, I realized it and I corrected myself and I said, you're worth more than birds. But there's a broader purpose at work. But there's also your purpose that God is working on. Psalm 37 says this. This is how I know. I love this verse. God gave me this verse as I was preparing this message. Psalm 37 and verse 23, the steps of a man are established ordered, directed by the Lord when he delights in his way. Make no mistake, friends, God works on purpose and he has a purpose for you. See, there's an inner yearning on the inside of us to understand our specific purpose in life. Yeah, people could understand, yeah, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian, but God, what have you specifically got for me? Point number three, is this, we choose to accept or reject our purpose. You could sit there and say, well, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm on purpose. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm really aligned with the purpose of God. But the thing about it is it's a choice. We either choose to align ourselves with God and live in his purposes or we don't. See, that's the beauty of this faith that we live. It's a choice. God gives it to us. As a personal choice, do I accept or do I choose, Do I accept or do I reject my purpose? Do I therefore choose my purpose, or do I say, "No, I'm going to go my own way"? You know what's the differentiator there? It's pride. It's pride. What what is the what is the greatest thing that produces spiritual blindness? It's pride. You're looking at someone and you think, "Man, they just can't see what God is doing." Why? Pride. And pride causes us to reject our purpose. But if you want to know what your purpose is, I think we we can look no further than Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Does anyone love the Apostle Paul? I personally, I love this guy. I love reading about him. I love hearing different perspectives on him. I love studying his life. I love reading. Obviously, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's just an incredible guy, but he didn't mince words look at what he says in verse 1 of Romans chapter 1 in the New King James. He says, "Paul, I, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. Purpose. And I love it because I look at it and I'm like, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. I began to study it. See, to be a bondservant is different to be a servant different than a servant. They're two different things. See, to be a servant in Hebrew culture meant that you were an ordinary servant. You'd sold yourself to another Hebrew, so therefore you were in their custody and they, they had all uh, ownership, so to speak, over you for a period of seven years. So in the seventh year, that was the year of cancellation of debts. But if something happened to that servant and they decided to do something, they had this option. In the sixth year, they could pull their master aside and have a meeting and sit them down and say, Hey, let's talk. Let's talk about this situation. But they could say this they could say, You know what? I know next year is the year of cancellation of debts. I know next year I can go free. I know next year I can do what I want. But I'm choosing to become a bondservant to you. And that's what a bondservant is someone that has made a choice to stay with their master, that has made a choice. To stay indebted to that person. That's why Paul uses that word, bond servant. Because what is he saying? He's saying, I'm choosing Jesus. I'm choosing to make myself a bond servant to God. What is he saying? He's saying, This is a choice. I can, I can choose or I can, I can reject my purpose, but I'm choosing today that I'm with Jesus. Next, he says, I'm called to be an apostle. What is that saying? That's the same thing that we can all say about ourselves. Isn't that beautiful that God has given us the opportunity to be part of this thing called the ministry of reconciliation? This might be new information for you today, but it's not just my job to spread the message. Just because I stand up here behind a pulpit on a Sunday doesn't mean that it's just my job to spread the message of Jesus. No, it's all of our jobs. We're all included in this beautiful plan that God has given us to be um, carriers of the message, the people that go out and talk to people in the highways and the byways and constantly be pointing people back to Jesus. But that's what he says, I'm called to be an apostle. But the next part, he talks about his specific purpose. Separated to the gospel of God. Set apart, separated, meant to be doing it, Clearly good at it, God has put it on my life. I wonder what that is for you. Because here, what I really believe what he's talking about is vocational ministry. He's talking about vocation. He's talking about what I'm doing with my hands every single day, that I've separated to spread the message of the gospel, but I wonder what that looks like for you. See, the thing about my own life and speaking from my own journey is this, is I've had different positions in my life but my purpose has never changed. I've had different positions. I've sat at different desks inside different organizational structures. Are you hearing me this morning, friends? But my purpose has never changed. What is my purpose? My purpose this morning is to serve God. My purpose is to uh, be part of the reconciliation, the great ministry effort called the gospel and the building of God's church. But what I do... I do it for God, but it's different for everyone. I wonder what it is for you. I wonder what that looks like for you. See, here's the thing about it. When we understand what our purpose is, first of all, that it's in God and that we've been called to be a part of this thing called the church and spreading the news, it gives what we actually do with our lives so much more meaning. So much more meaning. You could be driving a truck, but if you're living on purpose and you understand you have purpose, it makes driving that truck every day seem so much different because you're out there driving that truck and it's like, God, who am I going to meet today? Who's going to come across my path? Who am I going to meet when I'm filling up this truck with gas? I don't know what it looks like. I don't drive a truck. But if I drove a truck, I would want to be driving that truck on purpose. You might be living in the home, working in the home, sorry, raising a family. That might be the season of life that you're in right now. But with purpose, you get so much meaning. It gives that, that repetition that even working in the home can sometimes make you make you feel like you're going through. It can give you so much more meaning because you're living on purpose. God has called you, he's separated you to raise those kids and to make sure that they know exactly who they are with purpose in their hearts, knowing who Jesus is and that eternity is ahead of them. What does it look like for you? Maybe you're called to the... the the corporate world. And man, we need as many saints as we can in the corporate world. Maybe it's the school system. We need as many saints as we can. Get as many as we can inside the school system so that people who are living on purpose know exactly what's going on, begin to infiltrate different cultures, different areas. (laughs) A bondservant of Jesus. I love it. A bondservant of Jesus called to be an apostle, but separated to do what I'm doing. How awesome is that? That's what purpose looks like, friends. And I would just encourage you at the end of this service, we're going to give people the opportunity to come down the front, and receive prayer. and Maybe you're just feeling a little rudderless right now. Can we just say that's okay? We're all human. There have definitely been times in my life where I just felt like, man, I just feel like maybe I'm not on purpose right now. But can I encourage you what the answer is? The answer is not to go to an earthly source. The the answer is to go to God. Your pursuit in Christ is the one who will give you, God will give you your purpose. Would you stand with me? You received that word this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.